Welcome into Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always, let's see, by the Jermaine Jones to my Jarvis <laughs> Hayes. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. How's it going, Tobin? Man, that was a deep dive right there. Hey, we're talking good. about a Georgia player. I'm going I'm going Georgia players from of of the past. So. Like I said, deep dive. That school's not exactly a basketball powerhouse. Yeah. So not, not a lot of guys to not Well, a lot I mean recently, to. sorry, Georgia fans, I'm not trashing you. I'm just recently y'all been good. KC but Nick Clutch. You know, you know. It's not um, Bulldog football we're talking about. So Hey, if nothing else, if nothing else, they have one of the one of the best mascots in all of college sports. That's true. Ugga is awesome. Um, we're not here to talk about Ugga, though. We are here to talk about Anthony Edwards. So last week we started, uh, actually the week before last, we did an Obi Toppin review, review, goodness, uh, an Obi Toppin little scouting session um, at the end of our episode. And then last week there was 4 billion things to talk about. We got to the, to the uh, draft portion and we were already at about 90 minutes on the clock. So we're like, let's just, let's split this off into its own episode and it worked pretty well. So that's what we're going to do from here to the draft. Um, each Thursday, Friday, you're going to get a, uh, a bonus episode in which we break down a prospect. And as we get closer to the draft, we'll, we'll break down more prospects um, in each little episode whether here in the, in the mini episode or, or at the end of our, our regular episodes. I love the draft, as I've said a bunch previously. I love, love, love the draft. Tobin loves the draft too, uh, but maybe is not as hardcore about scouting as I am. Um, but with, uh, with, this, with the draft now set on November 18th, we kind of have a, a date, obviously, to work towards. And this is a really interesting draft because of the, the lack of cornerstone talent and so uh, anyway so we're going to be breaking down prospects week by week and um tobin this this week we're we're doing we're, we're going with anthony edwards yeah so anthony edwards is a freshman out of georgia like it's like we said not exactly the basketball powerhouse of the past but um definitely one of the better players that's come through there that i can remember he is six foot nine Sorry, he is six foot five. His wingspan is six foot nine. He is eighteen years old. He's coming in at two twenty five. He averaged nineteen points a game, five rebounds a game, and two assists this year at Georgia. Um, he is a. I would say he's probably more of a two guard than he is a, a ball handling guard necessarily. Sure. And there's a lot of hype around him for various reasons. So Brian, why don't you give us the deep dive of the stuff that you've watched on him? Great physical profile. He, he's, he's a, he's a big time athletic guy, which is fun to see. Cause like there weren't very many super athletic dudes in last year's draft. I think, um, there was a lot of guys that were outside of obviously the top two outside of Zion and, and, uh, and jaw, but like even RJ Barrett, like one of the big knocks on him was like, he's not that athletic. So it's kind of fun, at least for me, I don't know about you. It's, it's fun to sit down and watch tape of, somebody who is super athletic and does a lot of very athletic things around the room. That's, that's always enjoyable mm-hmm. to me. Um, so he has a, he's, he's good leaper plus wingspan. He's got an NBA ready body. Um, good, good body control. I think he could actually add weight. What'd you say his weight was this year? Is it two two twenty five? Okay. is what they're listing him at. I don't think I want him to add like a ton of weight on that, but he has really thick shoulders. I think he could potentially add, 10 pounds and and still play at that same level of explosiveness and stuff, which I like. I like to see that in, in a player that's of his age. 
I think his shooting form looks good. I don't know. What do you, what do you see with the mechanics and, and all that sort of stuff? Does, it, does anything stick out as... No, as I think it looks good, but I don't think he is a guy that I, I see taking a bunch of pure shooting. Sure. Um, I don't think he's... Like, in, in which... And that's okay in these these NBA days because like the guards don't always have to be you know big time shooters. But it seems like he was he's settling more for driving to the rim than he would for a pull up three necessarily. Which yeah. again isn't bad. It just means that he's gonna have to be paired you know well with yeah. with um, whoever he gets gets in with. So not you know compared to I mean he's like I don't think he's necessarily like a not a pure pure shooter, but he is definitely sure. not a lamello ball necessarily so yeah for real yeah that's a good way to put it he's he may not be the 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 purest of shooter but he he does he is very naturally gifted at creating space like he does a very good job at getting to his spot on the floor wherever he's trying to get to and and you he uses his body pretty well to and and enough like shakes and moves and stuff to to get the space that he needs to get off his shot he doesn't have like a, you know, one of the the, the best things about Lamelo Ball is he has a great handle. He's got real sh- real shifty and a lot of moves and all that sort of stuff, which is great. I don't think Edwards has that, but he also doesn't really waste time with his dribbling, which is for me, it's like great. If if you're not gonna have, if you don't have an elite level handle, then please don't don't waste eight seconds of the shot clock mm-hmm. trying to set up your move. Um, and he doesn't really do that. Now, I think we'll talk about when we get to the weaknesses here in a second. His shot selection sucks. Um, so maybe he should be a little more patient with the handle to, to get to where he needs to be, actually needs to be. But I, I, I think I'd prefer somebody who is a little more I'm just going to go than is going to dance around on the outside if they're not really good at doing that. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, you may disagree with me, but I feel like shot selection – of all the things is something that you can, you can coach into a guy, especially whenever you're coaching him on how to handle NBA defenses and stuff. I just feel like that's one shot selection is one thing that I don't think I would stress about as much as long as it's not atrocious, you know? Yeah. So that is one, that is something that I, I believe that I can, I can fix. There are certain things in my personal draft philosophy for whatever it's worth, which is very little because I don't matter at all. But there are certain things that I look at and I will always fall for and say, I think I can fix that. I think I can, I can teach that guy how to, how to do some of these. And that's the hard part, right? Like it, like the projecting part of, Mm -hmm. of scouting and, 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 you know, covering the draft is, is the hardest thing. Um, and so you get, yes, you you gotta be, if you have a good coaching staff, and you're competent, confident in your your abilities to do that sort of stuff, and then the player is willing to to work and listen as well. Then, um, then yes, I'm with you. That's that's something that that I think you can. And, and same goes for shooting. I, I if somebody if a guy has reliable, relatively consistent shooting form, I I always feel like if I have a good shooting coach which I would if I'm running a team, I'd have a great shooting coach. I always feel like we can, we can work those things. We can work that out over the, over a couple of years. We can get you to be a good shooter. Now, I mean, somebody like Kawhi, I would have never guessed that he would be become the shooter that he was. And I was, you and I both were super duper high on Kawhi that year. 
Uh, but I never would have guessed that he could be a shooter like like he is now. Um, no, and he kind of came in as the he's the lockdown defender who is a a, th- a three and D guy with the with a weak three, and it ended up being yeah, you know right. way above that, obviously. So. For sure, for sure, hundred hundred percent. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. I I think I can fix those things, um, but it will depend on his temperament and his willingness to do that. And that will be a big part of our, of our weakness talk here in, in just a second. Um, but a couple other things that I like about him, he, he, uh, I, one of the biggest things in the NBA right now is in terms of like one of the biggest <clears throat> skill sets in terms of value is, can you get your own shot? Can you get, can you go one-on-one to get a score or can you get to the spot in transition for that pull-up jumper? And he definitely can. Whether he can make it or not, again, is the other question. But he definitely can get to those spots, and he has that skill set, which I think is very valuable. He's kind of scary in transition, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, the first highlight reel that I watched on him, and I watched a couple of his games live this past uh, winter, I guess, which seems like seven, seven eight years ago. Um, I watched some of his games live, and I, and I went through a bunch of tape on him over the last few days. The first highlight reel that I watched him, I, I, I wasn't getting a great feel for that. And then I saw some more, and then I, I watched, like, half of a complete game, and I was like, holy cow. Like, when he, when he turns and looks up the court and he realizes he's got somebody backpedaling, he's, he's kind of nasty. He can do some pretty, pretty devastating things. And he's got such – I mean, that 6'5", with that kind of weight, like, gosh, that's, that is exact – to me, that's exactly what I want. Um, from a guy with that physical profile is just like he doesn't quite seek bodies, but he goes hard once he's once he looks up and sees like, OK, I've got I've got a chance to get to the rim here, which is a great tool to have in the current NBA as well, um, sure. because if he's able to do that, you know, he's not going to have to rely on his shot as much. And if he's if he's paired with the guard that, you know, can transition with him or mm-hmm. find him in transition, you know, even off the wing. That's even better. And yeah. he and he's kind of big for a guard too. So like it's kind of like that, you know, that big combo guard that, that we I know you and I both really like right now that can kind of do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I think that that's gonna bode well for him. And and plus he's kind of like we I think he's we have the most tape on him comparatively to some <laughs> of the other top prospects because he actually played last year, you know, yeah. like he until the season was canceled, he was the I think he was the one player left and like the top five, you know, uh, I don't know, but like from like for one of the lottery picks that was yeah. still actually playing, you know? sure. <laughs> and so everybody else was already either you know deemed ineligible or <laughs> hurt. So <laughs> so weird, so weird. Um, what a what a weird year this has been. Last couple of like kind of soft positives. He'll he's gonna get steals because he plays mm-hmm. passing lanes pretty well. The rest of his defense is very very bad. But he'll get a few steals, um, and you can see moments where he has he shows some some flashes as a passer, and that's really all, that's all I want from him. He's not a lead guard. He's not going to be the guy you you put it in his hands and you just like everything flows off of him or anything like that. But mm-hmm. if you can be a, a decent secondary playmaker, then I'm all in on on that that skill set. I think that that's a that's a great <clears throat> thing to have, and I think he could I think he could do that. It was very sporadic at Georgia very you know kind of few and far between but but every once in a while he'd pull something off and you're like oh okay so he can do that he can see those things a little bit which 
plays into the weakness I think you're about to bring up, which mm-hmm. is that he doesn't seem fully motivated all the time. Yeah. And he very much took games and plays off. And I think that was probably the, I think that's the biggest red flag for me. Same. And especially when I was watching some of the tapes today and yesterday, um, one of the, one of the videos I found was like, it was like one 10 minute video of all the great things he does. And it was like one 10 minute video of here's all the times he was a punk. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah. And, sure. and it was, and it was way more footage than I, than I had remembered. Cause I know we had talked about this, back in February that that was one of our concerns with him. And I guess I just forgotten how, you know, how extent, how much that there was to that extent. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. I mean, his, his motor is real low and it's, it's not even that it's low it, because I think it was the Kentucky game um, that Georgia one and again this has been so long that gosh like you know it's it's hard to remember but i'm pretty sure it was the kentucky game and it, down the stretch of that game he looked like a world beater i mean he was engaged he was play, he was moving he was playing really great defense he was he was making he was putting in buckets and he looked i mean he was fired up and it was like man this is imp- this is really impressive but earlier in the game he looked like he could not care less about being on the floor and he sulks a little bit when when he doesn't make shots early. His his the his entire game suffers. He's he's not somebody at this point who is gonna be one of those guys that's like you know. I always love a guy who's like, man, my shot wasn't falling tonight, so I found other ways to help the team. He is not going to do that at this point in his his career. He's certainly going to do it at Georgia, um, and that's that's a that's a concern for somebody who. Whose skill set is really, really impressive, but whose actual results really weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, and and you you do have to, I think, wonder about how does that translate um, in the NBA. And he here's a, the yeah, go ahead. And the concern I have with that is typically when guys have that, it really matters the team they get drafted by, and typically guys yes. that are going in the top five of a draft don't have that kind of culture that's going to turn that around because what's going to happen typically is a guy in the top five goes to this team and then they're expected to fix everything. And if something goes wrong, that motor comes into question. And so like when typically when you see guys like this, that have this kind of question, they're the ones that are falling at like 14, 15, 16. And so like they, you know, a team might come up and, you know, like a Celtics might come up and grab them. And then that kind of culture ends up shifting them to that, that good side. Whereas, in his situation, if he gets drafted by, I mean, the, the Hornets, you know, it's going to be, you know, pretty rough selling for him next year. So what's going to happen? Is he going to, is he going to do that? Is he going to mm-hmm. check out or is he going to actually try to come in and take over and be the guy, you know? And I, I think that's a pretty big question mark. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. That's one of the, the weirder it's, I don't know if weird's the right, but it's one of the worst things about the draft is that, for so many of these guys, the best thing to happen for them would be to go to a good team that has a good infrastructure and good coaching mm-hmm. and good veterans and all that sort of stuff. And yet, if you're if you're the best players, you're never you're you're so rarely going to end up on a good team to start your career because you know um, unless it's one of those those random situations where an act you know a good team had a, a David Robinson's injured type year or 
a good team had traded for a pick that ends up falling, you know, ends up being a, a top fiver or something like that. It's just, it's so rarely happens. Cause I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I, I would feel so great about taking Anthony Edwards. If I was a good team, the golden state warriors or, mm-hmm. uh, I, and I would, I would have, I would, there's a lot of hesitations to work. Now the, the, the flip side of that is if you're a, if you're a good team and you're bringing in Anthony Edwards, there has to be buy-in from him. And mm-hmm. this is I I want to talk about his defense in a second, but we'll we'll move to this since we're already kind of we're already kind of here. This is one of my I think that the one and done thing is so stupid. I think it's a shame. We we both we we all acknowledge that amateurism is a sham and the NCAA model is is absolute trash and that the, these guys can't go straight into the league is stupid. Yada, 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 yada. As long as you are going to go this route, as long as you are going to go to a school for one year or go to Australia for one year or whatever, as long as this is the thing, for the love of God, (laughs) pick a team that is going to highlight what you do well. Because I just think I'm I'm getting to a place now, Tobin, and Edwards may be a guy that's going to, make or break this, this thought process, but more and more people around NBA media and NBA Twitter are kind of coming around to the, the concept of, you know, the problem with tanking is that it, it instills in these guys that losing is acceptable or that mm-hmm. losing is, is not the end of the world. And I'm starting to get to a place where I feel like for some of these guys, when they go to a crappy school which no offense to Georgia, but like Tom Crean sucks. Tom Crean is not, not a good coach. And that I think that has been proven for, uh, at, at, at Indiana and at Georgia, but it's, it's very similar to me of like Ben Simmons going to LSU and playing for a, a poor program at the time and a bad coach. And it, it, it starts your whole journey on a, on a real bad foot to me. And I'm starting to look at these years where guys waste a year of their lives playing for a garbage team and a bad coach as the first year of that tanking process that so many of them are there, or being on a bad team process that so many of them are going through when they come into the NBA. And mm-hmm. I just wish, you know, for <laughs> Zion to me is a great example of somebody who, whether he picked Duke, which he ended up doing, or if he had picked Kentucky, fine, whatever. That guy like went and he worked and he he tried to make the most out of that year at college. And so many of these guys, I'm not saying that Anthony Edwards has to go to Kentucky or Duke or Kansas, but like Tom Crean is not he's just not a good coach. He's not a good coach for a potential top five pick in the draft. And it's a waste of a year and it starts your whole, to me at least it starts to, it starts the process of feeling like this guy's okay with losing or he's, it's being beaten into him that he's, it's an uphill battle every single night because the rest of his team is pretty garbage. And so then you see the, the terrible shot selection, you see the sulking, you see the, the complete lack of anything resembling defense, all these sorts of stuff that comes along with it. And I, I, it's, I just wish that, and I know there's, you know, let's, let's be real. There's money involved. I'm sure there's, 
There's all kinds of things that go into these. There's shoe deals. There's all kinds of things that go into these situations. But I wish that these guys, if they're going to have to go to, to college for a year, I wish that they would do themselves the favor of, of, of funneling towards a coach or a program that at least is going to put you on a good foot moving forward instead of setting you back, which is what I think happened to Anthony Edwards. Yeah, just... Just a little plug there for all those players. Chris Beard's doing a great job at getting <laughs> players drafted. So just just a heads up. But, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I agree. And you know, we we can do a whole podcast on the one and done Ugh. rule. Um, I don't know. I like so. Let's talk about his defense because that's yeah, going to be sure. the next thing. So what I'm seeing with his defense is that he has athleticism. And he seems to be pretty engaged when he's on ball. But to to the continue the point of the motor, when he's an off ball defender, it seems like he just gets lost, or he doesn't, or he doesn't pay attention. Um, on ball, you probably can speak more to that stuff. But it doesn't seem like he has a great defensive IQ overall. I totally agree. He has no fundamentals on defense, um, and that usually shows itself. Your fundamentals show up in two places, especially when you have this kind of physical profile. Your fundamentals on defense show off ball, and they show when you're guarding somebody who is like a legit scorer, like a legit, mm-hmm. I'm going to dug my head, and I'm going to go to the basket and score. Because you're off ball, you're not paying attention, you fall asleep, you don't see the cuts coming, things, you don't help. That's a big thing. He has no help defense to his game at all right now. Um and on ball, it's you're, you're, you're too straight up in your stance or you never really get in a stance, your arms are down, things like that. He has no fundamentals on defense. On ball, when he's not guarding somebody who is a, is, is a, a real scorer, you can, uh, you know, he, he, he got away with it in college because he is very athletic and, and uh, very naturally gifted. And so you can kind of get away with those sorts of things. But, yes, dude, he, he – there's not enough effort there at all. I think that's that's very fair. Not enough effort on the ball. I mean, how many how many times did you see a little highlight of him, uh, you know, get beat by a move at the top of the key, and then he's still standing at the free throw line while the guy is laying it up or dunking yeah. or, or whatever. I mean, that a and a lot of kind of like I again not to trash the Rockets like I always do but a lot of James Harden losing guys behind him type thing yeah you know like whenever like especially off ball like he just he just yeah. lose seems to lose guys whenever yeah. he is not fully focused and so for sure yeah off I think ball, that, that, a there's a lot of men there's a lot of mentality things going on that that make you question you know what what's happening here you know mm-hmm. and like he didn't really like you know I looked at his schedule earlier today of what he played in the SEC this year and he didn't really even play any big time draft prospects at guard cuz the SEC is the SEC is a you know fine conference but there's nobody going in the draft this year that that he's played that he had to go up ahead you know head to head against you know mm-hmm. cuz like that I like to see like what other guys you know are, what other guys are he gonna play? Is he gonna play? That's gonna, he's gonna end up playing next year. And the only person I could think of was like Isaac Okoro, and he's not even really guarding him because that's a big wing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's not he didn't really even face any, in my opinion, top notch talent in the backcourt, right. and it did, still didn't matter. <laughs> like and so yeah, no, I totally agree. And that that go to me it goes to that team's bad. Georgia was bad. They were not going to make the tournament this year if there was a tournament. 
And Tom Crean clearly just kind of, I mean, this is not fully Tom Crean's fault because it's the same thing that happens to, to Coach K. It's the same thing that happens to Bill Self or, or any of these guys. When you bring in a one-and-done guy, you're hoping that they're going to listen to you. You're hoping that they're going to have kind of a Zion mentality more so than a Cam Reddish mentality, to, to mm-hmm. put it all on the Duke thing, of you that they're going to want to come in and listen and work and all that sort of stuff. But there's only so much you're, you can you can get out of them in a four-month time frame. And you just kind of have to... You either have to just gurn and bear it, or you're, you know coming in, this is what I'm going to do because it's the only way that I can, I can get him to come and that I may have a chance of getting another guy like this somewhere down the line is if you just kind of deal with, well, he takes terrible shots, but what are you going to do about it? You know? now on the yeah. flip side, for, for Edwards no talent around him whatsoever there's no you know it's not like he has anybody else to draw the defense away or somebody even to to make passes to 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 work off of or anything it i'm sure he walked in there and felt like i'm the only one here who is even capable of making a basket and so i got to do everything and that that jacks up your mentality but again Mm -hmm. to me that goes back to don't go to georgia then don't yeah don't do that. a good example of that that i saw i actually found the the game where they got blown out by lsu uh is the, the last game of the regular season and i watched like a highlight package of that and his stat line from that he played 37 minutes which is the most minutes of anybody on the court and he, he went six for 22 one for 12 from three ended up with 17 points but the thing that stuck out to me was the guy that was going toe-to-toe with him the whole night um skylar mays Mm-hmm. You know, he's not even like he's a senior and, you know, I don't think he's even going to get drafted. If I, I don't think I've seen him any, on any big boards and sure. he dropped, you know, I think it was uh, like 19 points on him, shot seven for 11. Like, you know, like it, it, it was he wasn't even phased, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily. And yeah. then it, yeah. and then I just and then also um, I think it was maybe Marlon Taylor, I think his name was uh, just went off, went off on him. Mm-hmm. And like those are two players from LSU that. I don't think are going to get drafted. They're both seniors that, you know, I don't right. think they're on anybody's boards and you know, you're like, that's the, that's the kind of to your point of when you do these things and you go to Georgia because you can play 37 minutes, but you're also playing on a team that's terrible. And like, if you, you got beat by 30 and if, and you kind of like just checked out and started chucking shots, well, guess what? You're probably going to do that a lot next year. You're probably going to get beat a lot yeah. next year, and you have to have that mentality to still be playing efficiently and effectively. Mm-hmm. And and I just don't. I'm not sure he has that in him right now. Yeah, again, totally. And that's the thing. You you're <clears throat> trying to project. Okay, is is what I see from him because right now the other thing is like despite all his his uh, enormous talent and his you know kind of tantalizing shot making ability. I mean, he he only shot 29% from three, 40% from the field. Does he impact winning at this point? And right now you can say absolutely not. He he doesn't, he doesn't make, he doesn't make winning basketball plays. So can we project that out and say, that's what he's going to be for, for the first five years of his career. That's what he's going to be for the bulk of his career. (laughs) Or do we think, you know, with, with coaching, with infrastructure, with guys around him, we'll be able to figure out. For me, and this maybe we're kind of getting to the, the tail end of this, for me, I see somebody who, I mean, I'll be real honest, this is the type of skill set that I fall for very easily. Like, I see the athletic profile, and I see 
the one-on-one shot making ability and i think i re i think i can make that work i think and he plays the right position too like i'm all mm-hmm. you know i'm always gonna i'm always gonna default to like when in doubt just draft a wing because i you know you can play three or four of them at a time and so mm-hmm. um so i i i always think i can i can fix that but it's gonna be you have to be real sure that he is going to buy in because it's not just a it's not just a question of we got to tweak his shot a little bit or we got to put some talent around him or we got to do this we got to do that we're going to have to have buy in from him in order for him to be an impact player in the NBA and that's the thing mm-hmm. that that every individual team has to figure out when they sit down with him in a Zoom meeting or whatever however mm-hmm. this draft process is going to work and try to figure that stuff out yeah okay so i saw him I looked at about 10 mock drafts today and I don't think I saw him below three once and most of them have him at going one. Mm-hmm. So I, okay, I'll go ahead and tell you, I think his best fit right now it, for me is probably going one to the Timberwolves because I think if you pair him with D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. I think that makes the most sense from him for him from a playing standpoint. Now, is he going to be super effective there? I don't know that because like I feel like that's one of those things where he can go there and they can still be terrible even with right. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Um, so I think that that one is probably his most likely scenario. I don't know if that's his best fit, but I think it's a good mm-hmm. fit. Um, where do you think his best fit is and where do you think he will end up landing? For him, I think, I mean, we kind of mentioned, it, I think Golden State would be the best place for him because for his long-term career, <clears throat> Um, okay. because I think you go there, you get with Kerr, you get with Curry, you get with Thompson, you get with Draymond. Um, I don't really care about Andrew Wiggins, but there's a world in which he is a day one starter with the Warriors, but is not dependent upon whatsoever. And mm-hmm. that might be the best thing for him to try to like, work some of this stuff out of his system in a, in a, on a team that has a, you know, a ridiculously good infrastructure on which he is basically the sort of trumped up Harrison Barnes, you know? Uh, I mean, he doesn't have to do all that much, but I am with you that I would take him. If I, we look, we've only done three players so far. That is my big board right now because I'm not, actively scouting everybody else yet and and putting together th- i hope to do that over the next couple of weeks at least have like a a top 20 or 25 to work from each week when we get on here and 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 talk some of these guys out but i would i would have him ahead of i think Lamelo has more star potential than anthony edwards does but i think the chances of LaMelo hitting that star potential are relatively low. Mm -hmm. And if I'm just getting the median of one of these two players, I think Ed, I see It's not just that I think Edwards would be, will be Edwards median will be better than, than balls median. It's that I think Edwards at his median fits in with, I can find a place for him doing what he does on 30 teams in the NBA. I don't, feel that way with with Lamelo. yeah i would agree with that so that's the thing it's like he he has that skill set well i mean this was my thing with jason tatum in in 2017 above anything else was just i think that dude can score one-on-one and that's mm-hmm. such a huge thing in the nba right now and mm-hmm. 
we re- there's so few guys really that can And it do took that them a couple of years to kind of figure it out. It but, did, yeah. Uh, but we're seeing we're seeing right now the benefit of one, him getting the chance to figure it out on a team that was still successful. Yeah. That that, that so that kind of plays into your Golden State theory. The only thing I'll say about Golden State is I don't know where he fits necessarily if you're going to be playing Wiggins in that situation, you know, and maybe you bail on Wiggins. I mean, that's, you know, I know you would like that, but, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's being able to create your own shot and being, being the kind of big wing combo guard right now is a very hot position. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. If I was like, if Detroit had the first pick or New York had the first pick, I would take them at this point. Again, we're so far out from it, and I my my dumb draft board changes constantly. So I, you know, but right now, if the draft was today and the and I was the Pistons and we had the first pick in the draft, I would take I would take Ball over Edwards because I have nothing on my team and I need somebody who I can potentially build around. And I will take my chance. I mean, I don't know that it's going to work out, but I think it's probably a worthwhile endeavor to 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 do that to try to build around ball i don't know that i can do that with edwards um but most of the other teams that are you know going to be picking in the top five seven whatever i i think edwards is is the play um over ball at this point um that's that i think is what Mm -hmm. where i would end up what's your what's your comp for him i saw a lot of zach levine i'm not sure that i would necessarily agree with that um (laughs) I think that the comp for me is a poor man's Oladipo. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I think, and, I, and I'm not, and that is not a a an original thought. That's that <laughs> is a a lot of people are saying sure. Oladipo. I'm just adding the poor man's to that because I yeah. think that Oladipo coming out was a lot more explosive, a lot more um, lucid on the court, and I think that Edwards could probably be that. But as of right now, I'm not I'm not so sure he can. I, I'm with you. I, I was, <laughs> when I do these things, you know, I, I watch shape that I can. I look at the stats, all that sort of stuff. And I don't go to anyone else. I don't go to like, oh, by the way, seriously, Kevin O'Connor from the ring does an incredible job with, with their draft mm-hmm. guide and their draft coverage. I look at his stuff last for each player because I don't want his comps to kind of skew what I see when I'm watching a player. And, I want. I don't know. I he's. He, I think he does a great job of like concisely pointing out strengths and weaknesses. And I want to watch that stuff myself. And then I go and I look and see what he says. And I think. And sometimes I disagree with him. But I say, you know, I want to have that contextualization of like, is there something I missed, or is there something that he says that I I disagree with, or whatever. I was so angry when I looked at his comp, and it was it was Victor Oladipo. I was like, man, that's exactly what I see on the court. But I'm with you. It's a it's a poor man's version. If I was him. I would be watching Oladipo's tape and how how Depot seeks contact and then uh, kind of shakes out of it or or eludes it after he's made first contact because I think that's a main, that's a big weakness in his game at this point with th- with that size and strength he should be looking for bodies on the drive um, and then finish through and, and and around them and stuff and that's something that Depot does pretty well that I think he can learn from. The other comp that I had for him, a much less flattering one, and this one may make you insane, is a bigger Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could see that. That's you know, I I think four years ago I probably would have been much more <laughs> excited about that comp. 
Oh, Think about how sad. pumped we were for Dennis Smith Jr. Gosh, and, uh, I was on my honeymoon, and I that my that was the most exciting part of my day, which is which says a lot about my love for the Mavericks that I spent. My wife was like, "Let's go to this fancy dinner and let's go hang out in this really cool place in Chicago." And I was like, "Nope, draft day," because like <laughs> it's just. And I was just really pumped. So that if that tells you how I feel about the draft, that's that should tell you all you need to know right now. But yeah. yeah. I, I could see that. I could see the the Dennis Smith Jr. for sure. Um, I see it in his game. I mean, Dennis Smith was was much more of an actual point guard, so he he handled the ball and stuff more than Edwards did. But I see it some in his game. I see it in the explosiveness. But the the sad part is, I also see it in the the disposition. I mean, the you know the sulkiness and the the sort of drifting on both sides of the ball and stuff. That was a mm-hmm. big Dennis Smith's another one that's like, dude, don't go to NC State. Like that was a terrible place for you to be it ended up i think setting him on the wrong foot um moving forward but you know the other thing that i that i saw out of him um was like kind of the same type of thing where it was just i really feel like if he comes in strong he can be that best person and he can be that that you know real strong scorer it's just but that going to back to your dennis smith (laughs) comparison i feel like that's that's unfortunately might be more his speed you know if we're not careful (laughs) all right man well that's anthony edwards i've got him number one on my draft board but again i've only got three guys on the draft board right now so we'll see how this this plays out over the course of uh of the next few weeks as we prep for that draft november 18th thanks for listening thanks for coming in for this bonus episode we will be back next week with uh with more nba playoff talk in our main episode and uh more scouting in our bonus episode. I don't know, Tobin. You got a you got a preference on who you want to talk about next week? Well, we kind of been picking off the top, the you know top of the board, so let's, I think we should go with James Wiseman okay. next week. Let's do our first. Let's do our first like real okay. big. Yeah, sounds good. All right, we'll be talking James Wiseman la- next week. So enjoy watching all three games of of him um, from Memphis. And uh, so be back. Be, thank you, thank you for being here. Be back with us next week. And until then, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers.